Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Good evening, my friends, and welcome to a special Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast, once again, airing on a Thursday. I am your host, the self-proclaimed content machine, Liam Crowley, and I am joined by two amazing guests once again. First, to my immediate left, the man behind the machine, Wrestling Inc. founder and owner, Raj Gary. Raj, always a pleasure to hop on these mics with you. Uh, man, thanks for thanks for being on again. I think we're the reason that uh, Impact's ratings went down last week. So thanks <laughs> to everyone for tuning in. It must be us. It must be that Wrestling Inc. rub that, that we're doing over here on the YouTubes. Uh, also, to my far left, you've heard him on Busted Open Radio. You've seen him inside the International Wrestling Cartel Ring. It's Mr. Justin Labar. Justin, great to meet you face-to-face how are we doing tonight? Doing good. Yeah, same to you. Nice to meet you. Looking forward to working with the content machine. And uh, yeah, I'm all for uh, anything we can do to uh, uh, put a little dent in Impact's uh, ratings. I think that's, that's fun. I, that, add that to the resume. You can have content machine uh, knocking down Impact's ratings. It's, it's a gimmick I've been trying to get over for like a year, and we're still probably just pulling the dark matches, whatever. Either way, we're here to talk wrestling news. We're also here to venture outside of the squared circle and talk about the top things going on in entertainment. The Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast is not just wrestling-related news, which we will get into off the top. We're also going to step outside the world of pro wrestling. This particular particular week, excuse me, we will be talking the Super Bowl, our predictions, the money line bets that are going on, as well as the galaxy far, far away with all the crazy news going on in the world of Star Wars. But to kick things off, let's get into the biggest news of the week, literally and figuratively. The heavyweight Keith Lee has made his way to AEW. He was the surprise signing that Tony Khan has been teasing since, I believe, last Friday, making his debut against Isaiah Cassidy, winning a fairly quick match, but still pretty competitive and qualifying for the face of the revolution ladder match. He will go on to that AEW pay-per-view later next month on March 6th, his theme, everyone was raving about it, composed by AEW music producer Mikey Ruckus. Uh, Lee also reacted to his debut on social media, tweeting, We still got a lot of work to do, but I more than appreciate the warm welcome back. The person with the sign that had the same silhouette that's on the front of my hoodie, thank you, touched my soul. And with sad family times hopefully behind me, let's grind. Hashtag forward March. Raj, I want to go to you first. Did Keith Lee's debut live up to this insurmountable hype that Tony Khan set last week. You know, I mean, I kind of figured it was Keith Lee. I'd, I'd been saying it all week. I think a lot of people did. I'm not saying like I'm you know, some fortune teller or something. I know a lot of people picked Keith Lee. Um, the only thing, the only reason why I wasn't um, 100% sure was just because how much Tony Khan was building it up, you know, saying a huge surprise. And and I think when you when you go that big, then it's like, it's almost hard to, it's almost hard to live up to that. And, uh, but, you know, to his credit, the fans ate it up, um, whether from the outside, in, you know, outside looking in, you're like, eh, that wasn't really a huge surprise or what I'd categorize as a huge surprise. The fans went nuts. He looked just happy as anything to be there. He looked like he was just having a blast, a great time. So I thought it was a, a big success. I just think, um, you know, it happened. It's funny because, <laughs> the times when Tony Khan hypes a big surprise it was like uh, Christian was another. Mm-hmm. He teased a surprise, I think, when uh, um, Brody King showed up, but never did with Brian Danielson or CM Punk. Granted, CM Punk, everyone knew he was going to be there, but Tony Khan never specifically said anything to tease that uh, he would be. So, you know, it's just, it's just kind of funny when when he picks to to hype up these surprises. But I thought I thought it was a, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought that first hour of Dynamite was one of the funnest shows I've seen in a long time. Absolutely, yeah. shades of AJ Styles too, with the the catchphrase popping up on the Tron and everyone knowing immediately without the name. You know, we saw phenomenal at the Royal Rumble 2016. We see Limitless. We know exactly who it is. Justin, I'll go to you now. Your initial reactions to Keith Lee's AEW debut. 
Yeah, I mean, the crowd ate it up. I mean, it was a great pop. It's the it's the second biggest pop he's had in his career, probably only um, only second to the one he got when he appeared in the Rumble and he had the, the moment with Brock uh, in 2020. Like, it, there needs to be a fair evaluation of what's a big signing, uh, as Tony Khan said. You know, the Wrestling Inc. headline we had was, you know, only a handful of people, you know, Khan said only a handful of people knew this big signing. There needs to be a fair evaluation of what's a big signing, and then what's and then the other side of the spectrum of eh, he's a good he's good to have it's nice to have him, I think Keith Lee falls somewhere in the middle, but it's it's like a catch twenty two for for Tony because like he is so media accessible he's on busted open every week he does other interviews you know he replies on Twitter which I mean that's that's cool that this you know billion dollar Booker is doing that, um so it's like if he is going to promote that there's somebody coming to to get some buzz you know he's not going to like under you know he's not going to oh, well this guy's okay like I mean so I, I understand having to like. You know, you're spending money on him, so he must be worth something. Uh, but at the same point, to Raj's point, you know, uh, he didn't have to say anything for Punk. He didn't have to say anything for Brian. He didn't have to say anything for Adam Cole. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I, I, I don't want Tony Khan. You know, right? It's called Dixie in yourself, as in Dixie Carter. I don't want Tony Khan to fall down that well. Um, you know, but in, in, in any which way, it was a good debut. Crowds there. Uh, now we'll see if the that crowd reaction holds up week week in week out. Yeah, sustaining that crowd reaction is going to be absolutely big. Raj, I'll go to you next with this next question. Where do we see Keith Lee going in AEW? Short term, it's obvious he's going to the face of the Revolution ladder match, but that's in less than a month. We've seen kind of the start-stop momentum with these big signings. Jay Lethal comes to mind. Even Kyle O'Reilly very recently has only had one match in the promotion. I know he's got some family stuff outside of the ring. I believe he's either expecting a child or the child has recently been born. Either way, AEW doesn't have the best track record at sustaining that momentum that Justin brought up. Do you see Keith Lee being a long-term piece of the AEW puzzle? I do. I, I think just because he brings something unique, you know, with his size and and his agility for a guy his size, uh, he looked he looked bigger than I've seen him in a long time. Um, and uh, probably because he wasn't wearing a singlet. <laughs> right, that could, that could be part of it. Um, but I, I thought he looked really impressive and. You know, I think with him, I think he put the TNT title on him. You know, he you have him win that match, beat Sammy Guevara, because he he's a guy you know, um, he delivers. You know, I, I and it, this is not a knock against other guys that they brought in because Jay Lethal is awesome. You know, Brian Cage has a ton of potential, but they, they've been they brought in a lot of guys who come in and then they just kind of wither away and just kind of fall out of spotlight. I don't see them doing that with Keith Lee at least anytime soon. I think he's going to get a, a full shot. And I think part of that is he can't lose to Sammy Guevara right off the bat. So I think he wins that TNT title. Yeah, you're echoing the sentiments right there in our chat. Anthony Y says he will be the next TNT champ. So something to look out for, for sure. Justin, I'll go to you now. Dream feuds or storylines for Keith Lee in AEW. Are there any members of the AEW roster you see the Limitless One needing to match up with in the short term? That's a great question. I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's so wide open because he is who he is. Because he he is the size that he is, but he he but he does he has the he does the moves that he does. You know the the agility and 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 speed that he has. So um, there's it, it very and actually it's more it's kind of the reverse question. It's kind of like make me a list of who you don't really care to see him, and that that list is probably pretty short. Like there's a lot of fresh. Even even if it's guys that are formerly you know even if it's a Miro or again Brian Danielson guys that he never got to interact with when they were both uh over uh, in WWE or nxt so yeah i mean there's nothing there's not a whole lot of matches that i don't want to see that keith lee could have um i mean he is a bigger guy and and you know aw's roster aside from their their big guys their lance archers award lows their luchasaurus i mean a lot of their guys like a lot of the guys are smaller like i mean look you put sammy guevara side by side to keith lee that's the i mean that looks like a, a man beating up a child <laughs> um and, and and sammy's and i like sammy it's just i'm saying the the optics of it um and don't even get me started if marco's stunt was still there um but no i mean there's a lot there's a lot of because of what he does a lot of potential i do want to see how does he hold up you know he is he is he is bigger in size, and we haven't we just haven't got to see him. You know we didn't see him with a long stretch in, on the main roster, and he was I think sick for a while, and then of course they went into the weird singlet, no singlet, bearcat, not bearcat. So like we haven't seen him. You know, I want to see what it's like if he's working uh, every single week, um, and he's working that kind of pace and rate. Um, how he holds up, I and mean, I think he's thirty seven if Google's telling the truth. So I want to keep an eye on all that, but I, I a lot of guys that I'd be interested to see him pair up with. Raj, any names that stick out to you? Uh, I like Stellar Justin Lopez in the chat saying Keith Lee versus Miro. I really like that. Um, you know, that 
you know, it, it, he, Justin Lopez also earlier mentioning that it was night and day with the main roster run uh, in WWE. And it's, it's funny because Keith Lee came in and beat Randy Orton right off the bat and then just quickly, you know, just kind of withered away. Then he got, he got injured. Uh, you know, he had COVID, he had the health issues, just, it was never able to get back on that train. And man, I just, I felt like there was such a lost miss, you know, missed opportunity when you had that Royal rumble moment with Brock Lesnar and Keith Lee, and you saw, you saw Brock went, Whoa, who is this big, big fucker. <laughs> I think MF uh, was the exact, uh, yeah, <laughs> the exact so. words that we mouthed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I like all of it. And, um, you know, I think uh, him and Omega could be awesome. So there's a ton of a ton of potential great matchups there. Yeah, the sky is the limit for Keith Lee in AEW, or should we say limitless? Because I feel like that's what he's going for. Anthony Y says, I'd like to see Wardlow versus Lee. Battle of the big guys, that would be a barn burner, especially with Wardlow on just the trajectory he's on right now. Keith Lee versus Phoenix when possible. Big versus small dynamic is fun. I love that. Someone that can bump for Keith Lee, I think, is key. That's why I loved Isaiah Cassidy being his first matchup because we saw it right off the bat. That toss, good Lord, he, he threw him like 12 feet in the sky, higher than a basketball hoop. I was blown away. Uh, Justin, any moments in the match specifically that stuck out to you that was like, man, this is Keith Lee that I haven't seen since NXT? Well, I mean, yeah, that, that spot you just mentioned him tossing uh, Cassidy at the open. I actually like the post-match uh, bit with having both private party attacking him. And uh, I forget which one it was of, of the private party, but the, the second one comes and does a front flip dive over the top rope and Keith Lee catches him uh, and holds his ground. I mean, it, you know, that visual and then power bombing him onto his partner, that visual uh, was a great, um, great stamp to put on the, uh, you know, to close out the, the opening debut. So, and I, I love my dude Wardlow, but if it was Wardlow versus Lee, they'd have to get really creative on how Wardlow is going to power bomb Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, to Trevor's point, you know, when you look at like someone like Undertaker and, you know, they would always put him up with these big guys, but really the dream matches were the smaller guys. You know, his matches with Kane were great storyline wise, but his his best in ring matches were, were Bret Hart and, you know, uh, Shawn Michaels and the smaller guys. AJ, you know, AJ Styles would have been fantastic if they went to it, but they still with that cinematic match, it was the best thing at that WrestleMania. So, yeah, that's, you know, Goldberg. I wish they'd, they'd put him in with some smaller guys who can really work around him because... Yeah, I think uh, a lot of times monster versus monster is not necessarily uh, the best. And that rings true even with Brock Lesnar. If we look at Brock's run, especially in Brock's most recent run in WWE since, since Suplex City, I mean, he's he's had his better matches against guys that are, you know, Cena, you know, Brian, uh, Style. I mean, he's had it's been against the smaller guys and the better ones. Yeah, and uh, I really do think the sky's the limit for Keith Lee. I, I love what you guys are saying, specifically with the smaller opponents. I do think a monster versus monster clash could play well down the line, but we got to build Keith Lee up first. And I think that first feud against a smaller guy, I don't hate the idea of rushing him into a program uh, with TNT champion Sammy Guevara as soon as maybe double or nothing in May. I think that could play pretty well. Uh, another debut we had on AEW, kind of out of nowhere, and with some behind-the-scenes knowledge, it basically did come out of nowhere. Jay White, the Switchblade, making his AEW debut, entering through the Forbidden Door, uh, over from kind of the Impact Zone, I guess, because he's been doing a lot of Impact Wrestling tapings recently. Obviously, he's a New Japan talent. He's a former IWGP heavyweight champion. He's no slouch in terms of a star power to get, which led a lot of people to question, why is he debuting in a backstage segment? But I do kind of think he is in that group similar to Minoru Suzuki, where he'll be in for a storyline and then he'll head back out overseas. Raj, did this debut take you by surprise? And what do you think this means for Jay White's AEW future? I think by that day, a lot of people were expecting it. I was too. I, I felt like uh, Keith Lee was not going to be the only one. Um, I, I, you know, I think he's a tremendous talent, Jay White. Um, I'm kind of surprised he's not with AEW already in a lot of ways. He, he, uh, he checks all the boxes. He's got a great look. Um, talented as hell uh and and you know tony khan even said that this was kind of a last minute thing he had been promising the forbidden door with keith lee and when he realized that the term forbidden door didn't fit with keith lee he scrambled and made the jay white thing uh come together so he wasn't false advertising so you know props to tony khan for i don't think anyone after the keith lee thing would have been like ah what the heck that's not a forbidden door i mean you could be like ah it wasn't a big enough surprise but uh 
I don't know how many people would have really been upset over the the terminology, but you know, he took it, he took it seriously and, and, and made up for it. So pretty cool. What I love, what I love about the, what I love about the last minute nature of it is it's a lot. So it's last minute. He explains why, but then they managed to at least actually tie it in to uh, furthering an existing story. A couple segments later with Adam Cole, you know, with, with the Bucks accusing Adam Cole of like, did you, you know, why didn't you tell us that he was here? And, you know, he's got issues with Omega. They got history and like, further furthering this you know bucks adam cole are they trusting each other they're looking over each other's shoulders so i that's what i appreciated that it wasn't just a okay let's have jay white appear for the sake of a surprise it's the sake of a forbidden door but that they actually gave it even more context to further a long-term story uh, a major story with what's inevitably a bucks adam cole split real quick let me ask you speaking of adam cole i, I had put out a tweet this past weekend that i woke up in the morning i was like holy crap did it got a ton of attention, but I was like, now that it's clear that Adam Cole is facing Hangman Page, Hangman Page uh, for the title at, at Revolution, does does it make any sense that Orange Cassidy beat him a couple weeks ago uh, in that Lights Out match? And, you know, some people lost their mind. A lot of people, eh, it doesn't count. But it's like, no, but, but you saw him lose. You know, you saw Orange Cassidy, put him in that little hug, uh, take him off the stage and pin him. The visual is there just weeks before he's going to be challenging for the title and he's not someone like a Kenny Omega uh that you take that take that he can take a loss and it doesn't hurt him at all Adam Cole is still kind of on the ascension so it just made no sense to me uh to to have Adam Cole lose that match I don't know what do you guys think does it make you more excited to see uh Cole versus Page it's the same less excited or you know it doesn't really matter I thought Cole made up for it in that kind of vigorous promo he cut last week, or I believe it was on Rampage, actually. He went off for like six minutes about how he wanted some damn respect and what's whatnot. But I do agree, the visual is jarring. And also because we talked about previous Lights Out matches and how they've had effects on world title storylines, everyone will point to the full gear match between Moxley and Omega and how when eventually they would face for the title again, a year later, Moxley would always say 1-0 against uh, Moxley, or Omega would always say 1-0 against Moxley. That match didn't count. He didn't beat me. But the biggest difference there is not only were those programs separated by a year, Omega lost to John Moxley. Like, Orange Cassidy, I think they've done a, fan, a phenomenal job of building him up as, like, a legit contender somehow. It's, it's wild that that gimmick actually feels like a legitimate wrestler. But it's still orange cassidy you know what i mean like there's still a, a weird vibe of your future world title challenger in less than a month getting pinned by you know the sloth wrestler the king of sloth style i don't know that it did kind of rub me the wrong way for various reasons uh justin how about you is that is that visual jarring is that lessening the impact of hangman versus cole no I mean, you know what maybe i'm just such an adam cole fan but when he came out at the end of dynamite and uh you know and kind of like just solidifying that it's you know he's gonna be the next challenger uh nothing went through my head of like this doesn't you know in commentary to their credit though oh, he's he's ranked number one he's the number one contender like i and you're right liam i mean the past lights out matches have had ripple effects uh, of standings and, and what have you but i think that's the only reason i'm okay with it if he would have lost orange cassidy in any other way i think yeah it would have been like huh but because it took to, to such extreme lengths um that's that's one of those matches where it's like it got, you know, it's, it's, it's lights out match. It's so it's, they go to such lengths that like, I don't really see a loser in there. It's like, no matter what, both guys, you know, orange Cassidy, it's reminded that he can turn on and, and, you know, and have that second, uh, that second gear that he can switch into when he needs to. Um, Adam Cole still again, went, you know, went the distance. I don't, it didn't bother me. It really doesn't. I, I, he fits Adam Cole to me fits. I don't, I'm not bothered by it. It's, it's okay. But, but why even do it? Why even have him lose to orange Cassidy when you're going to be challenging for the world title? Well, I mean, I won't, I won't argue there. I, I didn't when it was happening. I wasn't sure. Like, I was kind of curious. Like, there's a lot of people Adam Cole could work. Like, and now I do think he personally really wanted to work with Orange Cassidy. So maybe that's one of these things of Tony appeasing a new talent that wants to do something with somebody before you know. Like, okay, Orange Cassidy's not going to be world champion. He's not going to be in the world title picture of AEW. Not, not now. Probably not ever. So maybe it's one of those things. Adam Cole comes in. That's something he voices to Tony Khan. Hey, I'd love to work this guy. Can I get it in? before you do put me into the world title picture, before I do have other things to do that wouldn't include him. So, I mean, th and those those things go on constantly of trying to keep talent happy and what they would like to do. And so that could also be, but I, I, I agree, Raj. I don't, I wasn't sure as a, as a fan why that needed to happen when it did. 
And I mean, you could do this match in, in five weeks because if Cole doesn't win the title, my guess is he's out of the title picture because usually in AEW, they kind of move on to, uh, you know, to the next person. So, yeah. We'll have to see. Revolution only just about three weeks away. I'm sure there's going to be build, significant build to it in the coming weeks. Also, I, I saw a funny tweet that uh, with Adam Cole now focused on a singles feud, a world title match. He went and got his old Bullet Club stablemate uh, to babysit the Young Bucks. I, I thought that was kind of funny. He's always bringing someone in to make sure that his friends are happy. Let's move on, though, to AEW ratings. We talk about the big surprises teased for this week's episode, and I don't know if they have a direct effect on the ratings, but numbers kind of indicate that it might have helped boost the numbers above seven figures, 1.129 million on TBS, up 18.3% from last week. And everyone's going to talk about the key demo, 0.41 in the 18 to 49 demographic. That's up 17%. Also number one on the cable, top 150, up from number three last week. Raj, you're the ratings guy on Wrestling Inc. What do these numbers mean for Dynamite? Is this sustainable going into their biggest pay-per-view or their first pay-per-view, I should say, of the year? I mean, it's I, I, I'd consider it a huge success um, considering... Um, sorry. Um, yeah, I'd consider it a huge success because it's their biggest audience since September 29th. So, I mean, it, it just way, you know, and last week they had CM Punk versus MJF, which kind of that one underperformed that episode. Yeah. So this one, I mean, it was up huge, you know, up 18 percent in total viewers, the 18 to 49 rating uh, up seven, you know, up 17 percent. As far as the 18 to 49 goes, it's, you know, depending how you look at it, it's third best, third worst, um, you know, tied for the third best or third worst. Another episode did a 0.41. There were uh, two others that beat it. But uh, yeah, year to year, looking at the same week last year, last year, uh, they're up 52% in total viewers and 41% in 18 to 49. Last year, they were up against NXT. And when I was kind of looking at the numbers, basically the viewers went up 30% uh, once NXT moved and 18 to 49 moved 20%. So even factoring that in, uh, this was uh, a big success. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great night for AEW. Justin, yeah. I'll ask you, the transition to TBS, I mean, I feel like it's kind of an obvious answer, but it's been pretty seamless so far. Like, what are your thoughts overall on moving from TNT to TBS for AEW? Yeah, it's been good for them. You know, uh, mix of, you know, the audience being there. I mean, some, some people talk about Big Bang Theory being on before. Does lead-ins help? Um you know, they've had some good content. I, like Raj, I was I was very surprised that the MJFC and Punk episode did not even top a million, which had me then kind of had me very curious about what last night was going to be. When last night was, you know, yeah, they had the, the Page versus Archer match advertised, but like, you know, so much of we th- what we thought last night was going to be was was on aver- was tune in. Trust us, we have surprises and everything. So I wasn't sure how that would translate. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so so far with TBS going well. I, I mean, I really year over year is what I think is important because to me. I always look at with, with with wrestling year over year because I want to look at what were you doing at the same time last year? The same time last year when you had you know the same part of the calendar, so you have the same kind of competition as it relates to sports and politics and and and, and other you know sitcoms and dramas. So you know that that I think is what you look at and say, okay, in this last year we've invested in the CM Punk, we've invested in a Brian Danielson and Adam Cole, and then you look at the the homegrown AEW guys and girls who are being developed and rising up, and I think that's where you say, okay. They are making a difference. Okay, maybe Punk's not the highest quarter hour every time, but the, but the fact that he's here has brought a buzz. And I think all of them is, is, a, is a recipe for one big, yeah, that we're doing the right thing. Look at the audience grow. Um, you know, when they start to level off, that's going to be very interesting to see. Like, okay, what what's the reaction then when they start to level off? Then eventually they will. And uh, you know, but that's what I look at is year over year is the fact they're up fifty two percent. And you know, Raj mentioned that yeah, NXT was competition but even still they've 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 still increased uh, even without the nxt competition and also you you mentioned the big bang theory that it, that is a significant lead-in it's the first time that i can remember that a wrestling show has we on a weekly basis not just a one-off here and there smackdown one time had an nfl game before it did one of their best numbers ever uh, but as far as on a weekly basis this is the first time that i think we've had a wrestling show that has a lead-in that's doing more viewers than it um I think when we start our, I think when we start our podcast, we should start just having like a five minute loop video, just Kaylee Kuoko, and then we come on and we see if she can help us, you know, get get eyes buzzing. Oh look, oh look, there's, you know, we need that lead in, absolutely. 
But yeah, on Dynamite last night, the lead-in, the first quarter hour did 1.25 million viewers. And the last, which was the Adam Page uh, match, the, the world title match, it, it did 1.06. So it was a drop of 15% from that first quarter hour to the last. And the Keith Lee, uh, that even wasn't the, the highest quarter. So it was, it's consistently the first is always the most viewed, almost always the, the highest in 18 to 49 as well. So that is a huge uh, lead in. Yeah, and Justin, you mentioned the year-to-year comparisons. A quick stat for you. This time last year, uh, same week, up 52%. Obviously, it comes with the asterisk of it was closer. It was more of the pandemic era. I'm sure that there was some fans in attendance, but it was a daily pl- daily's place show, limited people in the stands, but still up 52% in a calendar year. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. And again, I, I think there's a little 30% adjustment, adjustment with NXT, we're going to stop seeing that NXT uh, advantage, you know, as far as weighing how much up they're up this year. We're going to start, you know, stop seeing that in April. But uh, yeah, that uh, it's but even without that, it's it's up a lot. So it is a big success. Last week wasn't this week was. Yeah. And speaking of kind of flip flopping in ratings, Dynamite up this week, Raw down this week, obviously comes with a huge asterisk. We don't want to inflate these numbers or deflate these numbers without uh, addressing the elephant in the room. They aired on sci-fi due to the Olympics, uh, the February 7th episode of raw, which was this past week, as well as the February 8th episode of NXT 2.0, both on sci-fi as well as next week's February 14th. Happy Valentine's day, February 14th. That will be on sci-fi as well as the 15th episode of NXT 1.387 million viewers down 25% from last week, which did 1.8 million by hour and kind of fluctuated roller coastered up and down 1.3 the first hour 1.45 the second hour 1.3 the third hour and a 0.36 in the 18 to 49 key demo down 23 percent number three on cable down from last week's one raj i'll go to you first are these numbers concerning whatsoever or is this just sci-fi playing in oh no this is i mean you can you can throw out this week and next week they you know what what surprised me is that they didn't even advertise uh, or at least they didn't hit it hard last week that they were going to be on sci-fi and then this past monday did they even hit it hard that it's going to be on sci-fi again next week no the approach that they've been taking is i think they put out <clears throat> they put out a thing to the talent and asked the talent to all tweet from their personal accounts like twitter's accounts that they're you know to promote Raw for whatever storyline they're in, but put tag that they're it's on sci-fi. Because if you look, that's what almost every Raw talent did. But but yeah, there was no there wasn't anything said on the last Raw in USA of hey, don't forget next week. Like I, I don't know why. I because yeah, that, that that and then I looked and realized, okay, they're going the route of hoping people are just gonna see it on social media from the talents. It's bizarre. You had 1.9 million people watching last week. Why wouldn't you have them plugging the hell out of it? I mean, granted, I know they're not even probably counting this week's rating, but you still want people to watch. And it, it just almost felt like they, they're like, yeah, catch it if you want. Um, but, and the other thing is that since it was on sci-fi, a lot of DVRs didn't pick it up. So that yes. first hour, I mean, it was hurt a lot because not only do people not know that it's not on USA, a lot of DVRs aren't picking it up. A lot of people start watching raw half hour in to fast forward through the commercials. And so the people that did that, you know, so so that's why I think you saw the the first hour raw, even the first quarter was like 1.1 million. So it was way down. But I actually thought for being on sci-fi and not promoting it at all, I, I thought this number was pretty good. It was higher than I was expecting with 1.39 million viewers. And that 0.36 that they did in the demo, that's not even their lowest that they've done. They've had shows on USA that have done lower or at least one episode that's done lower. That was against a huge football game back in December. So, yeah, I, I actually thought all things considered, uh, and it was also the highest rated show on sci-fi so far this year. So that's what I was going to say that well, even, even still what they did on sci-fi was like a home run for sci-fi. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I mean, it just shows, you know, I, one of these days, maybe we'll have a discussion on should WWE ever consider moving around to Tuesdays. And I think it just shows that people will try to find it. And, my reasoning for Tuesdays is now football season is basically all of January now. So you have like five months of not only losing fans during that period that don't come back, but also those five months of your ratings being down 15% or whatever that brings your uh, yearly average down. So I don't know. 
just think though, if they're transitioning out of Saturday pay-per-views, which I love, or premium live events, excuse me, you'd, you'd be dealing with production on a Saturday, production on a Tuesday, turnaround production on a Friday. I mean, you're giving the road crew no chance to get home and have more than one day home. Right. <laughs> no, that's true. You know what I love more than the Saturday pay-per-views? Because I I usually prefer Sundays just because of plans and stuff. But this uh, this crown jewel being on a Saturday afternoon, I love that because. You get it done in the afternoon. You still have your night ahead of you. You can do stuff with your family or your friends or whatever. So, Yeah, and it is odd, too. It's coming up very quickly next Saturday. So all the builds to Elimination Chamber is all happening on Sci-Fi. And the lack of advertising is a little <laughs> jarring. And Raj, you mentioned how the NFL always pulling away viewers um, from WWE for five months of the calendar year. They're about to do their biggest rating of the year. This upcoming Sunday, Cincinnati Bengals, Los Angeles Rams in L.A. at SoFi Stadium, the biggest clash of the sports world every single year. Big game. Uh, Super Bowl 56, the first Super Bowl for both quarterbacks, Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford. Joe Burrow, kind of the most popular man in sports right now. No player has ever won a college football national championship, the Heisman, and a Super Bowl ever. And Burrow has the chance to do it all in three years. The storyline for Stafford, on the other hand, sat in purgatory with Detroit for 11 years. And then he was one half of that blockbuster trade in the offseason, which sent Jared Goff over to Detroit in exchange for Stafford. And the rest is kind of history. The Rams put all their pieces into play. They got Odell Beckham Jr. They got Von Miller. They got Jalen Ramsey the year prior. They're really assembling a squad of win now or else we don't know what happens with uh, our money going forward. Justin, I'll go to you first. Uh, are you a big football fan and who do you got this Sunday in the big game? Yeah, no, I'm a huge football fan. Um, you know, I have my NFL Sunday ticket package so I can see my Washington commanders, uh, but see as much else <laughs> as I can. Uh, I mean, I think this is a really this is really good. I think this is a, this is a great storyline going in the fact that you're going to have obviously the Joe Burrow stats you mentioned of being the first to, to potentially do what he's going to do. But the fact you have a, you have a Super Bowl here, where uh, no matter who wins, it's going to be the first Super Bowl win for the quarterback. You know that that's not something we get to all. You know when you got Tom Brady involved, when you got um, you know some of the names you, that you regularly find uh, in the Super Bowl, you don't always get that. So I, I like that. Um, yeah, and I, I think, and again going back to Joe Burrow, I think the stat, I think the fact that he could accomplish this history is really big because you know. If you're the NFL, and obviously they never they can never say this publicly, but you know, you ask the you you get any NFL executive behind closed doors to be 100% truthful off the record uh, of hey, who do you want to see in the Super Bowl? You know, yeah, Los Angeles, New York, give me into the big markets. They're not saying Cincinnati, okay? Cincinnati is not a a, a, a huge buzzing uh, media market. Uh, so this makes this makes Cincinnati in there work because of what Joe Burrow could accomplish uh so I, I think all things considered there's a lot of excitement here if you're a football fan uh to see these two quarterbacks um head to head raj how about you uh yeah i mean i think you know and on top of that uh the statue we're listing the the, the la they you know, the rams are going to have a home teal a uh, home field advantage with the full crowd first time right that the that a team is playing in their own stadium with the full crowd the buccaneers did it but they had you know it was the covid oh. crowd with twenty thousand people and a bunch of cardboard people all over the crowd so having you know so this is gonna be four times louder than that full stadium so it's funny i was looking at the stats and i was like uh just going in you know thinking about bets and stuff like that it was like it seems like an easy rams pick and then i'm going through the the season it's like man these these two teams are really evenly matched uh you know i mean during the regular season they both uh had 27.1 points per game uh, they, you know, the Rams, they had, uh, 18.3 points allowed per game. The Bengals had 19.7. So just looking up and down at all the stats, they're, they're pretty evenly matched. It's not as a, a one-sided as I think a lot of people kind of think, and you're seeing the lines kind of moving, uh, the lines, uh, they had the, the Bengals at plus four and it didn't just today, at least at Caesars, they dropped a point, uh, plus 3.5. Yeah, let's take a trip over to Vegas now since you're mentioning the betting odds. Minus three and a half uh, for the Rams to win this game. The over-under is 48 and a half, and the uh, Rams overall are currently favored by minus 175. Any of those lines stand out to either of you? Justin, I'll go to you first. 
Um, well, the over-under is always fun to watch because we've just seen, like, I mean, it's been the, the craziest playoffs, right? Of just seeing, you, yeah. know, you'd be, you'd be down 24 <laughs> points, 20, and you're still coming back. So the, the 48 and a half over-under, you know, you would be led to believe, oh, you got to take the over, right? But then Super Bowl, you know, does it hunker down? Does defense, you know, is, is a one in the trenches between the lines? So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking at the over-under trying to figure out which way to go here. I, I'll be honest with you. I hate sprints. I hate dealing with... I'm 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 a money line guy. If I if I'm I, I want to pick a team to win. I don't I don't yeah. care if are they winning within six points or I got to watch this team now score but miss an extra point so they can cover. I just I hate I know I just I just hate spreads. So I don't ever deal with them. I like money lines. Pick me a winner one deal you know, one way or the other. I don't care if it's by hook or by crook, one point or ten points. Uh, but over under, I'm really watching that because of just the nature of these games have been so close and so high scoring. But again, as I said, the Super Bowl um, does it does it taper down. Raj, how about you? Any of those odds you got your eye on? Well, I keep going back and forth, but I think I'm going to stick with uh, the Rams uh, minus 3.5. Um, I'm thinking about doing the Rams winning with a uh, with a, a Cooper Cup touchdown. Uh, and then, you know, like the uh, – the odds um, with with how many points? Like, is it going to be a blowout? And I'm, you know, most Super Bowls are, and uh, or a lot of them are. And so, I mean, you think about the number of close close games. What was the last one? Probably the uh, the Falcons and the Patriots, maybe. When the Patriots had a crazy second half. Yeah, Patriots Eagles is also up there. That was forty one thirty three training yeah. scores every single drive. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of what uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I, also, it, it, I, I saw this. Uh, someone sent this to me in a DM. I looked this up, and it's, it's actually true that ninety at ninety three percent of the times in twenty six out of the last twenty eight uh, Super Bowls uh, have not resulted in a touchback. They've had a kickoff return, and that's a, a prop bet that's almost even odds. So that's uh, that's one to look out for to start six out of the twenty eight. Yeah, to start the game for the kickoff. Interesting. Yeah, that's one kick. Want to keep your eye on for sure. Speaking of prop bets, are there any prop bets either of you like to play with? I know a big one is heads and tails. I remember in past years, heads has been favored like minus 60. And everyone's like, how is that possible? It's a 50-50 chance. Also, the national anthem, the runtime of it. People love to bet on that. All my friends will start their timers and are screaming, you know, stop holding that note. Let's get this over with. (laughs) Uh, Justin, any prop bets uh, you're looking out for this Super Bowl Sunday? National anthem is always fun, like you said. She's getting too breathy. Stop getting breathy. Speak <laughs> uh, the one that I'm looking at this year, I think that's going to be fun, is last play of the game to be a QB kneel, yes or no. But Because, again, as I said, the nature of this playoffs for how it's been like down to the wire, down to the final second, and for nothing else, even if it's a blood, it keeps you invested to the end of the game because you're now you're watching who's going to have the ball at the end of the game to – you know, is it, is it going to be the team that's down that's obviously just gunslinging it or whatever, or is it going to be the team obviously that's not, like so? That's kind of fun because it just keeps you kind of invested the whole way. Let you let you sit there and finish your drinks and snacks no matter what. You got money. You, you got talk- money until you, you got money until the final clock hits zero. You want to talk about finishing the game? Uh, Trevor Snook with a great uh, super not super chat regular chat down there. What color Gatorade bath? That's always fun. Uh, I'm a New England Patriots fan, so I've been fortunate to see a lot of Super Bowls, and everyone's always got their eye on what is Bill Belichick going to get doused in. Uh, Raj, any prop bets uh, you're going with this year? Um, you know, if, if the Rams win, I think Joe Burrow's the, uh, I mean, sorry, if the Bengals win, I think Joe Burrow's the MVP, but I'm not so sure if that's the case, if the, if the Rams win. So, uh, a non QB winning MVP, uh, I think that was plus 250 when I, when I looked. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking at that one too. There's one, um, who is the first one out for the Super Bowl halftime show? Like the first singer out. Ooh. That's a really good question. Did you guys hear about what they've been doing to try to keep that under wraps? No. So they've been so they're doing the rehearsals this week, right? As you as you expect, mm-hmm. with Snoop and Eminem and all those guys, and uh, they've been blasting on. They have PA speakers set up outside of SoFi Stadium. They've been blasting like Bon Jovi and Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> and things. So it's so loud, so you can't hear and get any kind of a pick off of what the format what the order is going to be for the halftime show so you don't get it spoiled like i think that's that's awesome i mean because it's awesome too because you're in a like the stadium so if i stadium is like it's it's in a residential neighborhood 
you know, not, if you're living in Inglewood, it's bad enough you have a hundred thousand tourists uh center of the football world invading your space, but now you gotta listen to freaking Bon Jovi blasting hey, all damn day. Living on a prayer still holds up. I don't think it's Bon. It would you'd be you'd be annoyed uh, of anything. Any. <laughs> blasting all damn day that loud. Um, I just think that's hilarious to me. That, that is hilarious. Dead but, or alive, uh, who who do you pick coming out first, or do multiple people come out first? I mean, you're. I'm gonna go Snoop Dogg. I'm gonna go Eminem. I think they go in the, the order of the commercial, and Dre comes out last. That would make sense. Dre feels like more of a, a main event player in terms of later on. He feels like not not he is advertised, but he almost feels like he's in that special guest slot, like how how many people have been before uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers come to mind uh, with the Bruno Mars halftime show a couple of years back. One of my favorite prop bets that I've never executed on that I really should because I seem to always get the random songs right is what songs are going to be played. Last year, I had a funny feeling that the weekend was going to play House of Balloons just because it has a great transition in it that could bridge two songs together it's a very niche song it's an album track off his first album and lo and behold he played it and everyone's like why did you not it was like plus ten thousand. you could have made bank um any songs from any of the artists that are performing uh this halftime show that you guys are looking out for oh we lost justin um still uh still dre uh oh no dre day sorry um for sure. Uh, God, what's a what's like an uh, what's like a, a a large audience friendly Eminem song? Probably like "Lose Yourself" or but that's the real Slim Shady kinda. I mean, I could see him starting it, but uh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, also a very easy if you want to get like a big spectacle, get a bunch of people with their hair dyed blonde you know, wearing a baggy white t-shirt. I, that's like a big visual for a big stadium performance. Right. But they've kind of done that. Mm -hmm. it, they did that at the MTV Music Awards back in the day. So, and I think, isn't that what inspired John Cena's Mania 25 entry? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mistaken. Yeah. And then uh, him and Snoop, their, their first big hit uh, from the chronic. Um, Still dry, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Still want the piano keys and everything. It's like right, one of those yeah. iconic beats. Yeah, they got to play that. Yeah. You got to imagine, especially if they're both going to be there. Uh, it just kind of makes sense. Uh, I, I feel like I want to wait for Justin to get back into Star Wars talk, but I don't know the, the status of his his signal. Uh, no, actually, still Gray was from his uh, from was from the next one, was from 2001, I think. Right. And then uh, the chronic was. Let me look it up. The chronic, um, the chronic has a picture of Dre, and it's like a tan-colored album cover. I just know based off Apple Music. Still, Dre has uh, cover art, which is just like a, a marijuana. Of yeah, N nothing but a G thing is what I was thinking. Mm. Justin, how about you? Any while while you were gone, we were talking about possible songs that halftime artists could play. Are there any that you're hoping to see played uh, the Super Bowl Sunday? Well, I, I I love Still Dre. I love that piano. I, I love him and Snoop. But just uh, that that song. I, that actually, my uh, when I was in college, this is a fun Justin LeBar fact. If anybody cares, when I was in college and started our studio uh, sports show, like our sports center, for lack of a better comparison, uh, Still Dre was what we used for for the first theme song and, until we got one created. I don't. Know, I just I, I love that song. I, there's so many when I hear it on the radio and I use it there. I I love the movie Training Day. I love. When uh when when Ethan Hawke's character gets in Denzel's car for the first time and he, and he just looks at me and goes you're in the office baby and then that song kicks in I mean I just I don't know I love that song so that's I'm looking forward to inevitably hopefully hearing that one the more then, DNA it. by Kendrick Lamar I think that'd be cool too oh Kendrick's got so many that would just get the crowd going crazy the more I think about it though still Dre have you ever heard the extended version with that like long piano at the beginning and then it slowly speeds up and transitions and then we get the classic piano keys that could kick off the show the more i think about it i i do agree i do feel like eminem is more slated to open things or even kendrick because he's got a lot of energy right off the top and dre feels like more of a main eventer but i don't know still dre might be the perfect song to just kind of usher in the halftime show any thoughts yeah you got to build a halftime show like you're building a wrestling card right you gotta <laughs> you gotta build like you're doing main you gotta start hot but then there's gonna be yeah, i mean I, I mean not to you really don't want to discount any of the performers, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, but like there has to be like some kind of like a drop down real quick before you bring her back up for the finale. So I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so you mentioned drop downs before finale. Kind of perfect segue into our Star Wars chat because Boba Fett. Oh man, this was an absolute roller coaster of a show. I know neither of you are familiar with the series in particular. It's been airing the past seven weeks. The first episode premiered on December 29th on Disney Plus every single Wednesday at three in the morning. These wild Disney Plus drops. And it's kind of been a start-stop momentum. Star Wars fans have fallen in love with it. Then they've fallen out of love with, with it. And then they get back into it. And then the finale kind of let the air out of the sails a little bit. Star Wars is such a polarizing franchise, I feel, for everyone, regardless of whether you're into these kind of movies or not. Because it's so ingrained in pop culture that everyone kind of has a Star Wars story regardless. And for those fans who didn't tune into Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi is getting his own solo show premiering on May 25th. In a couple months, the 45th anniversary of the first Star Wars movie back in 1977. Raj, I'll go to you first. What is your Star Wars story? What introduced you to these films? And did you kind of sustain that fandom or did it kind of fizzle out? So I've never been a big Star Wars guy. <laughs> so I've seen them all when I was a kid. I, I think Jedi was the first one I saw. I uh, found it, you know, it, it's that's probably my favorite one, but I just never really got into it. I never got into like the fantasy stuff. I never got into Lord of the Rings and even Harry Potter. I watched it with my kids. It, was, it got kind of bored. I like Game of Thrones. That's probably the one exception. But yeah, you know, I I, I have watched most of them. I stopped at uh, the eighth one, the the one, the Last Jedi. Yeah, the Last very Jedi. Very polarizing movie. Yeah, yeah. I no, no, no. That was the ninth, right? Last no, Jedi well, the Last Jedi was polarizing in the sense that people loved it, people hated it. Rise of Skywalker, pretty unanimously just panned. Okay, that was the ninth one. It was Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So Last Jedi. I was watching. I, I was watching it at home. I just couldn't get into it. Never finished it. It's still. I think I actually bought it just because it takes me so long to watch it. It can take me like three nights to watch a movie now. So it's still sitting there. I plan to maybe one day watch it, but never got into it. I did watch a couple episodes of Mandalorian, and it seemed entertaining enough. But I, I, I wasn't like sucked in. Um, like I'm watching this show Succession right now, where it just mm. like I'm like week to week. I'm like, okay, I, I, I got to watch the next one. I got to watch the next one. I haven't really got that. So what do you think? Would a non-Star Wars fan find Boba Fett? Because Boba Fett's not like one of the main, main characters. It's like when I started uh, one of my first websites, uh, my partner, he named one of the servers Boba Fett. And I had no idea what that was for a while. And so I, I never got it. But yeah, I, would a non-Star Wars fan get into something like Boba Fett? I really don't think Boba Fett's the project to get you into these, <laughs> these movies. It it made me... This this character of Boba Fett was so mysterious and so just cool looking. Basically, for a wrestling comparison, he was someone with dope gear that people were like, give him you know a main event push, put him on TV more. And then it happened and it kind of exposed all of his weaknesses, essentially. And seven chapters focused on Boba Fett. The best episodes of this season, pretty unanimously on social media, were episodes that barely included him. And I'm talking... 30 seconds of screen time in each. It focused on side characters. The Mandalorian, you mentioned watching that show. They brought him in for a couple episodes and he was the main focus immediately kind of taking shine away. Everyone kind of enjoyed it more. So I don't know if Boba Fett's the show to get you invested, but I will say Kenobi with everything they're putting into it, six episodes on Disney plus airing on May 25th. It looks like it's going to be a six part movie. Like we're getting Darth Vader back. We're getting Ewan McGregor back. We're getting Hayden Christensen. We're probably going to see the Death Star because it's set before the first Star Wars movie. So, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I, Star Wars is a roller coaster. People get invested, people fall out, people get invested, people fall out, and it happens over the course of a year. It's not like it's spread out a- across decades. The momentum is so weird. Justin, before we started recording, you mentioned that you have seen one Star Wars movie. I'm curious as to which movie that is and if you enjoyed it whatsoever. Uh, if I recall correctly, the, the I, I saw the very first one, the one in 1977. I think you said so. My I had never seen the Star Wars movies, and, and it wasn't for any like I just just never did. I just never got around. To, I just never got around to doing it. I mean, I was born in the 80s, so um, 80s, and, and you know the, the they didn't make us the first Star Wars movie made in my lifetime are the ones I'm always told you don't need to see are the ones in the 90s that they did with like Natalie Portman and all that. Mm-hmm. So never seen them. My wife's a huge Star Wars fan. Um, she's not watching any of this stuff right now. That, they, that she's not watching Boba Fett, but she's always says this is the greatest ultimate story of good and evil. She's like, you know, you as a wrestling person, you'd like it. And I'm like, one day I'll get around to doing it. So, you know, but she's like, you know, go in order. So I think you know we did watch the uh, summer in the last couple of years. We watched the very first one, and she said, of course, give it, 
give it fair judgment that it's not going to be today's effects and abilities. It's 1977. And I did enjoy it. I, just, I mean, I watched it. And like, it was one of those things I like, go watch. I was like, all right, I'll watch the next one when we get time to. I just, yeah, but it's fun to me. I, I, I when like things like this with Star Wars come out, like the book of Boba Fett, I love, I'm a fair gauge because I have no, I have no bias. I'm a fair gauge of like saying, okay, this is, this must really be doing something good. Cause I can just read social media and just as a fair, I, I look at it as, oh, so this is what it's like to be a super, super casual wrestling fan to like understand that something's apparently going on big in the wrestling world. That, that's kind of how my, my perspective is with the book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian and all these things that come out in the Star Wars universe. So when you say you're going to start from the beginning, is that, do you mean episode three? I, I mean, episode four or episode one like the the old old one the 1970s one or yeah that she told me where it takes place before those she told me to watch the ones in the 70s skip the ones in the 90s and then, and then she started telling me the order of the ones that have come out in this century to watch and, and yeah i know how they all connect around and prequels or whatever so she she mapped it out she gave me a roadmap i just gotta complete it now yeah i have a marvel roadmap because i always like the marvel movies but now i mean justin you know with kids to watch a movie by the time they go to bed and everything and you, if you got work you know you got maybe 45 minutes of time that you could <laughs> right. you can sit and watch something so if you start a movie that's that's a two to three night adventure uh, yeah and so the marvel you know going through the marvel stuff it's like 31 i've seen some of them but you know it's just it, it just gets so intimidating i'm like should i even watch the new spider-man yet or wait until i'm all caught up see i've been watching a ton of movies but i you know like i've been just streaming different shows and it's like you're right like i love ozark so like love ozark love you know but like i'm glad that i finally got into ted lasso because you're right you know i'm on the east coast and on nights that i'm not you know here with you fellows by the time i get my oldest to bed it's it's 9 30 <laughs> so at that point it's like you're right to watch a movie so that's why like i love ted lasso because it was something that like they're like 30 minute episodes i could have it on in the she could be in the room on her ipad or whatever even with headphones and you know She's not going to, the few jokes I wouldn't want her to hear, she's not going to understand them. She's right. seven. So I could, so that was the nice thing about Ted Lasso. I could get a couple in on a night, uh, you know, but obviously things like Ozark, I got to wait till she goes to bed and then, right. you know, fix, yeah. Fix whatever. yeah, exactly. Um, well, you know, we got to do Ozark one of these weeks. We got to do Ted Lasso. You know, we'll just keep picking stuff. We got, we should do Spider Man, the new Spider Man, yeah. when it when it hits DVD and everything. So people, everyone, I guess everyone has seen it already, but. For those of us that haven't yet, yeah. Did you guys are you guys Ghostbusters? Do you got any of you guys see the new Ghostbusters? I want to see it. It's good. It's my my issue with Ghostbusters. We talk about just like fandoms and everything. It it felt like too late for me because like I got into Star Wars because uh, the prequels were coming out when I was a kid, and it was nice to kind of just get back in. We just lost Raj, um, but it was nice to kind of get back in. Ghostbusters was such a wide gap between mm. the ones in the twentieth century versus the ones coming out nowadays. And I know they're not all necessarily linked. I think the the female-led one is in like a different universe or whatnot. Um, but Afterlife got a lot of good reviews. Justin, yeah. did you check it out? I did. This is actually one I made a point to go see in theater, and I haven't done. That's the first theater movie I've done since since COVID is a thing. Yeah, it's really good. And if you and you're right, like the 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 all the other Ghostbusters, like the, yeah, they did the, the all female version one, and that's you know it is what it is. But yeah, this one, if if you like the first Ghostbusters, if you like the very first one that came out in. 84 i think this is a direct sequel to it and yet there there's one or two small things that yeah if you have seen ghostbusters 2 that does carry over but by and large you could have never seen ghostbusters 2 which i like ghostbusters 2 that came out in 92 with with vigo and everything you could have never seen that as long as you saw the first one that's what directly lines into this new one and they really tied up and did it did things right it was it was well done and it's funny because you see this happen with so many movies being remade. Like I love, like I like Ghostbusters. I like the original Point Break movie, you know, surfing and cops. Yeah, and oh, then yeah. they remade Point Break uh, with like skiers and whatever, <laughs> whatever. And so for there was like a year or two where I get so pissed off because they'd swerve me. I'd be on the channel guide and I go to a movie channel and I see Point Break's on. I'm like, yes, let's get some, let's get Keanu Reeves and uh, and, and Patrick Swayze, and it would be the new one, and I get pissed. And then I see Ghostbusters, get excited. It'd be the all female one. Well, now. No longer am I seeing the the Point Break one. It's back to the '91 version. Now I'm not going to see the all female Ghostbusters anymore. That one's getting pushed aside like it ever happens. And now we're getting back to the originals being on my channel, guys. So I'm not getting faked out. All right, you talk me into it. I'm going to check it out. Go see it. You, I, you, you will. You will. You might shed a tear towards the end. I, I love. I love the first Ghostbusters. I did not like the second one. 
The female one, I, I was really excited about it. I think Kristen Wiig is just a genius. And I was, and I was so disappointed with that just because they have, they had such a great cast. And I just felt like, uh, yeah, it just wasn't, uh, they weren't utilized to the best of their, uh, their comic ability, but, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to check it out. Speaking of which, Stellar Justin Lopez, this is probably a question for you, Liam. Batman <laughs> tickets went on sale today. Did you guys, uh, anyone, anyone buy them? Yeah, I'll be uh, attending a press screening on March 1st, so a couple days before it comes out, um, but I am so stoked. This is a two-hour, 55-minute semi-origin story Batman detective movie uh, with the Riddler being the main antagonist, but he's taken a little bit more seriously. He's not very campy, um, and uh, the trailers have me just stoked through the roof. I'm a big film buff. I'm a big film nerd. I love scores, and Michael Giacchino's score, his Batman theme, is fantastic. And I'm stoked to see what Pattinson does in the role. A lot of people focus on him as the Twilight actor. He's picked up some accolades since those days, since his Cedric Diggory days in Harry Potter as well. He's a pretty like accomplished thespian these days. And him being Bruce Wayne, I'm all for it. Justin, are you a Batman guy at all? I'm a Batman fan. Um, I, I couldn't believe I was looking at. Uh, I, I'm a so. I love like IMDb. I love like I'm an IMDb nerd. I love nerd. I love trivia. I love finding things out about the movie. And I so I went on IMDb and I didn't want to look at trivia or anything that would spoil, but I did want to look at just some whatever photos they had. And I cannot believe that that's is that Colin Farrell that's playing yep Penguin or yep. Oswald Cobble. That's, that's unbelievable. Awesome. Unbelievable unbelievable makeup job. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it should be awesome. I, the Dark Knight's one of my favorite uh, comic mo movies of all time. So, look, I'm really looking forward to it. I feel like uh, Batman just consistently until until they did the Justice League stuff. I didn't get into the, into those, but you know, outside the individual ones, I've been a big fan of, especially the uh, uh, the Christian Bale ones. Yeah. That's Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, Liam, if you're a big Batman fan, you would have uh, loved to have been in Pittsburgh when they filmed The Dark Knight Rises here. And I mean, because it's all over, uh, you know, the bridges and, and they, they blow up, Hines, they blow up Heinz Field. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, and I at that time, my my office uh, was in the city and I cannot tell you the, the nightmare of like, <laughs> oh, oh, look, there's a big Batmobile up there that's blocking traffic. And I have to detour. <laughs> like, it was so it was crazy. That would have been so cool to see, though. Yeah. They they filmed Black Panther two in Boston this past summer, and I went to take some sneaky set pictures. Um, but it was like unbelievable because we never get films in Boston, or it's getting more popular. Some uh, scenes from Don't Look Up, that popular Netflix movie, which just got nominated for Best Picture, uh, was filmed there. But nothing that you'd see in in Chicago, in Pittsburgh, in New York. So. Yeah, whenever a movie comes to town, it's pretty crazy. They rent out the streets from 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. in the morning. They soak them all in water because it looks better for the camera to like pick up the, the glistening streets or whatever. It's absolutely wild. One final point I did want to make on this topic, though. You mentioned the Batman movies, Raj, how it was difficult for you to get into the Justice League ones because there's so many different side pieces. It's kind of how I feel about Star Wars with new fans, and I kind of equate it to AEW. I always tell my friends, like, we're like, man, I didn't enjoy Raw this week. I didn't enjoy SmackDown. I'm like, check out AEW on Wednesdays. They go, yeah, but, you know, I heard they brought this New Japan guy in and they're bringing in lore from a storyline that happened in 2014 and I don't have New Japan subscription service, so I can't catch up. That's kind of how I, how I feel about Star Wars. It's like, it's no longer just one connected trilogy. You have to talk about the animated shows and the spinoff shows and the Disney Plus stuff and the tie-in prequel novels and whatever. Uh, a nice, succinct trilogy i love me a cinematic universe i'm a marvel junkie at the end of the day but a nice tight-knit trilogy batman movies i think is super accessible are there any uh franchises like that that stick out to you before we get out of here justin i'll go to you first Nah, uh, i mean no i don't really think so i, I i've i've watched i've watched again i've watched the marvel uh again kind of through my wife and kind of by accident but uh, i'm not definitely not enough to say that i'm like uh invested in the universe Although I, I want to be, you know, again, at time. Uh, no, I, I'm more like directors. Like, I like give me a Scorsese gangster film every single time. Like, I'll, you know, that's that's kind of my, that's that's my affiliation is more of, a, of genre than it is universe. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I, I like like the Lethal Weapon series. I loved all those movies. Um, but as far as, you know, with the Spider-Mans, I didn't care for the Andrew Garfield ones, but I loved the Tobey Maguire and the uh, and uh, uh, Tom Holland, um, the, the ones I've seen. So... It, but yeah, yeah, there's 
nothing I'm that, that sucked into right now. And Headlock Hill bringing up that the Colin Farrell Penguin series is in the works. And HBO is going all in on this DC universe to rival Marvel and Disney. Yeah, they are milking this Batman property. It's one of two spinoffs they already have in the works. They're doing one centered on the Gotham Police Department. Uh, and they're also doing one centered on Colin Farrell's Penguin, probably going into the kind of underground crime scene of uh, of Batman's world, which, you know, if we're, we're in the streaming wars right now and HBO Max has a ton of good content, but it's kind of all old content. You know, they want to have someone fresh, something that's getting people to tune in every week, kind of like Peacemaker, which I'm sure we're going to talk about the finale when that does air, I believe next two week. weeks, two weeks, right? Oh yeah. Next week. You're next right. week is the, is the last episode, episode seven, seven air today. Um, but everyone's raving about that. John Cena. will we'll talk about his performance in this week's episode in a future episode of the Thursday night edition of the wrestling Inc. podcast. But do we do peacemaker next week or the week after? Maybe, maybe give it a week. Let give people, week. uh, give people time to, to soak it in a little bit because not everyone watches the Thursday premieres. They could always download and yeah, but all right, sounds good. Two weeks for that. <laughs> well, bookmark it on your calendars two weeks from today. We'll talk Peacemaker next week. We'll probably have some Super Bowl reactions as well as all the top wrestling news in the wild world of pro wrestling that we cover here. Justin Labar, thank you so much for joining us on the Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast at Justin Labar. You can see his handle right down there below. Anything fun you're working on right now that you'd like to plug? nothing new um tomorrow morning it's friday morning so i'm on busted open radio at 10 a.m with uh mark henry and dave Greca. um and you plug it up up top which i appreciate iwc wrestling uh many wardlow dr Britt baker katie arquette who was on last night getting beat i mean we've got a lot of talent that's uh trained and started with us it's on tv so it's great great if you want to see the stars of tomorrow so um you know, just go to my twitter and all the links are there Great to hear. Justin, right back on the mics, bright and early tomorrow. Raj, how about you? At Raj Gary underscore 303. Anything fun going on with Wrestling Inc. that you want to shout out? Uh, just, I mean, just the usual. It's nonstop. Just tons of news nonstop. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy all the time. Never a dull moment. And obviously, we got Elimination Chamber uh, next week. So we'll uh, hopefully we'll discuss some Elimination Chamber picks uh, next Thursday. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Well, hey, this has been the Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. You can find me on socials right down there below at Liam T. Crowley. Make sure to go and follow at Wrestling Inc. on TikTok. Daily news updates over there as well as clips from the Wrestling Inc. Daily. Shout out Nick Hosman. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.